crazy days that we're living in, is it? Aren't there? I mean, it's just like crazy what's going on. If we'd have talked about this in January, if you would have said, Scotty, here's what it's going to look like on a Sunday morning in July. Here's what it's going to look like pulling into the parking lot. Here's what it's going to look like walking into the building. Here's what it's going to look like. I would have thought that you had lost your mind. I would have just said, we need an usher over here. We need help. This person's just struggling. Something is not right. But these are crazy, crazy times. That's why I feel like it's so timely that we are in this series on last days. Because while I would not have ever considered myself to be a doomsday enthusiast, you know, like, oh, the, the sky is falling, you know, asteroids coming towards the earth, like that kind of sensationalism never really piqued my interest. I do believe that the Bible is true, and I do believe that the Bible has been very, very clear that we can know the signs of the times and that God's scripture makes it evident that we are in the last days, and I feel like the culture that we're a part of is starting to recognize that. People are thinking about things they typically wouldn't think about. They're acting in ways they wouldn't typically act. And so we need to look at this from not just merely a cultural standpoint, but from a biblical standpoint and say, what meaneth this? <laughs> like, what do we do with this day and hour that you and I are living in right now? So we're in this series on last days. If you've missed a single message, go back online. Or pull up the People's Church app and check out the past services, past messages on the rapture. What is the rapture all about? That's when God's people get caught up together with the Lord in the air. That's going to be a crazy cool time, right? And a pastor also talked about what it means for the second coming of Christ. He talked about what it means to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Great, great messages on the end times. And, and so now we come to this part of the series where I want to talk to you just about this thought of what happens when your life on this earth comes to an end, where do you go? Now, how many of you do realize that you're not going to live forever? Even if you're like, Scotty, I don't think it's the last days. I think there's another 10, 20, 30, 40, 80, 90, 100 more years. Well, you're not going to live more than 100 more years, right? I mean, at some point, your heart beats for the last time. Then what? The Bible teaches us that we will either go to a place called heaven or a place called hell. It's kind of wild to me when I think about the fact that just during our hour that we're here together, that approximately 6,849 6, people will die and either go to heaven or to hell while we're seated here in this room or watching this message online. That many people will take that next step and, and it discover the very reality of what we're talking about today. According to an ABC News report poll, 85% uh, of the people who believe in heaven actually believe that they are personally going there, right? People are optimists, right? They're like, well, I'm not as bad as him. You know, that's what most people think. They're like, I got a good shot. I got a good shot at this. I'm not all bad. I'm probably going to. 85% of the people said, yes, they thought that they would be going to heaven. But it's kind of interesting because when you read through the gospels, specifically Matthew chapter 7, you'll see that Jesus warns us that there are a lot of people who think that they're going to heaven, but they're not. A lot of people who are planning to go to heaven, but won't. What about you? What about me? And, and, and do we have a right understanding? Do we have a biblical understanding about what happens next and where we're going? Do we understand heaven? Reminds me of the story of this one lady who 
She thought she had it figured out until something happened that caused her to rethink everything, but she and her husband lived in North Oklahoma, and it was a particularly icy, cold winter here in Oklahoma, and so uh, she decided that, uh, or they decided they were going to go to Florida and escape all of the cold and get down to the sunny beaches of Florida and thaw out a bit, but because they were both working jobs, they decided that he would depart on Thursday, and she would have to finish up some work, and she would follow the day after and come on Friday. Day. And so he goes and he arrives there as plans. He checks in the hotel. So he decides to send an email to let her know that he made it okay. And so he sends this email, but he got one letter in the email address off. And so it didn't go to her. It went to an unintended recipient. How many of you have ever sent an email to the wrong person accidentally before, right? We can relate to this, right? So he sends an email to the wrong person saying that he arrived there. And uh, he didn't catch his error. Meanwhile, in Houston, Texas, a widow had just returned from the funeral of her departed husband. And she gets home from the funeral, (laughs) checks her email, and there's an email that read, and I quote, to my loving wife, from your departed husband, Subject, I have arrived. Message, I've just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. P.S., it sure is hot down here. How many of you know that in that moment she was rethinking her understanding of heaven. Well, when it comes to heaven, there are a lot of questions that people have about heaven. We're going to answer a lot of those questions today. People want to know, what will heaven be like? People want to know, what will we do in heaven? Are we just going to float around on these clouds and play these harps? Because, you know, you hear stuff like that, especially for a kid, and they're just like, man, that doesn't sound as fun to me as you guys are making it sound. Like, is that really what we're going to do? For parents who have lost a child, those parents want to know, will the child be waiting for them in heaven? We want to know, will we recognize one another in heaven? People want to know, will we have to work in heaven? People want to know, can we eat in heaven? Come on, you know you've wondered that before. (laughs) Will we eat in heaven and what will we eat in heaven? And some people ask this, and a lot of people ask this one. This is a popular one right here. Will my pets go to heaven? People want to know that. They want to know if their animals are going to be there, if their pets are going to be there. And that one's an easy one, right? Because it's obvious. Dogs, yes. Cats, no. We understand that. We get that. Didn't even need a scripture for that one. We just know that one, right? You might be surprised to know that the Bible has a lot to say about heaven and answers all of those questions and more. The word heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the scripture. So let's ask some of the big ones that cover a lot of the little ones and let's learn today about heaven. Question number one, let's answer this one. Where is heaven? 
Where is heaven? How do you get there? I tried to search for it on my maps. I just wanted to see what I could come up with. Have you ever done that? Just plug it in. Heaven. Directions to heaven. What does it say? And whenever I did that on my phone, there was a place here in Oklahoma when I did it. It popped up and it took me to Heavenly Drive in Edmond, Oklahoma. So there is a heavenly drive. That's not exactly what I was looking for. I'm sure it's a great street. Now, for those of you who are watching from Indianapolis, if you search for it from Indy, just in the air, say, how to get to heaven, what pops up for that one is a place called Barbecue Heaven. So if you haven't checked that one out, make sure and go and see what that one's all about. I was talking to my son, Jordan, who just had his birthday a couple of days ago. He turned six years old, so he's just growing up. He's a big boy now, right? He's got, and so I just love the conversations. He's got a lot of questions. And he, he's a talker, man. He'll talk to you and he'll, he'll ask you questions. And so he asked me, he said, Dad, how do people get to heaven? I thought, oh, that's profound. That's deep, right? Look, look at my boy. Look at that. Oh, he's a man of God. Look at that. He's already just thinking about this. I said, that's a good question. I said, there's only one way to get to heaven. The preacher in me started coming. There's only one way. Through G- I was right. I said, there's only one way to get to heaven. He said, I thought that there were two. And I thought, what has his mom been teaching him when I'm not around? Like, where is he getting it? What kind of religion? Two ways to heaven. I said, no, there's only one way. And he said, I thought there were two. You can die or you can go through the rapture. Now, he's smart. I was like, okay, you got me on that one. Two ways you can get there, I guess. But you could die or you could go in the rapture. Well, let's talk about heaven. What, where is heaven? The simple answer that we find when we read scripture is, where is heaven? Heaven is up. I mean, that's what the Bible says, but what does that even mean? Now, I'm going to take you to the deep end of the pool, okay? There are a lot of scriptures, but I'm going to start with the book of Revelation, right? So when we go to Revelation, that's when you know that you're getting into the show enough, show enough, right? I mean, that's like, you want to talk about end times, go to Revelation. And when you come to Revelation, you find that this was written by a, an individual, a guy by the name of John, John the Revelator. And God had given him a vision or a revelation about what was to come in the future, specifically an understanding and a glimpse into the end of times. And so John begins to capture this vision and put it down in the book of Revelation. And as a part of his recording, he gives Christians a glimpse as to what heaven is going to be like. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. If you're ready for this, say, oh yeah. Come on, if you mean it, say, uh-huh. Revelation 21, verse 1, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He says in verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Where is heaven? It's up. He said, I saw it coming where? Down out of heaven from God. We get that verbiage not only in Revelation, but there are all kinds of places in Scripture. I'll give you just a few that show that heaven is referred to as being up. First Kings chapter 8, verse 23 says, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven. Where does it say heaven is? Heaven above or on earth below. Psalm 102, verse 19 says, The Lord looked, where did he look? Down from his sanctuary on high from heaven, he viewed the earth earth. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. It says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken. Where was he taken? Up into heaven. And he sat at the right hand 
of God. Now I know that today's message is going to be a lot more teachy and a lot less preachy, but we're looking at heaven and we're going to get some insights and this is going to stir your heart. It's going to give you hope. And this first thought is just, where is heaven? It's up. And some of y'all think, well, that's not controversial. I mean, everybody knows that heaven is up. But if you think about this on just a little bit deeper level, think about this. Is up the same for us who live in America and for people who live in China? Some of you are like, man, it's too early in the morning. Don't be doing this to me. Just picture a globe. Where is up? Well, it depends on where you are. But the Bible is saying that heaven is up. It may help just a little bit to think of it in these terms. Heaven is not only up from here, it is beyond here. Heaven is beyond our reach. Heaven is beyond our imagination. Heaven is beyond our comprehension. You see, the most sophisticated telescope cannot locate this place that we're calling heaven. It can see all kinds of things. It can, it, it, the power of those big scientific, like billion dollar telescopes can reveal a lot, but they can't quite reach what we're talking about in heaven. It doesn't matter what kind of rocket ship you build, it cannot go so far, so high, so up, so beyond that it gets to heaven. Heaven is a real place, yet it's literally out of this world. Let's keep learning about it. What is it like? What it, what, where is it? Let's look at the second thing. Number two, let's answer that one. What is heaven like? What is it like? I mean, wouldn't you agree with me that if we're going to spend eternity there, there should be a little bit of curiosity as to what it's like, right? Let me tell you what heaven is like as we look at scripture. The first thing is this. Heaven is a city, a real city like no other. It's a literal place and John describes it as a city, we just saw that in verse 2 of chapter 21 of Revelation. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. It's a real place. It's a literal place. It's not just this figment of imagination to where, well, when you die, you go to sleep and you just dream of a happy place. No, heaven is a literal city. It's a real city, but it's beyond any city that we've ever visited before. Maybe you've been to a city before that you really enjoyed. Maybe you've been to one that you thought was so beautiful, one that you really liked certain place in the city. I, I don't know what your favorite city is, but just think of it. Or if you're watching online, you might just uh, type that in the chat right there. Just type in your favorite city. But have you ever been to a city before and you just thought, oh, if I could just live here. You're on vacation, maybe you're there for a few days. Oh, if I could just retire here. For some people, it would be the big city feel of like maybe New York. Or for some people, they say, oh, if I could just go to Paris, I would love to go and be in Paris. Oh, Sydney, Australia, I would love to go there. Listen, none of those cities, as beautiful as they are, come even close to comparing to the beauty of heaven. Revelation 21, 21 says the 12 gates to the city were 12 pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. 
Listen to this. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure, as transparent glass. Now listen, John is trying to use vivid imagery. He's trying to use these these colors or these descriptions or these thoughts, and yet as much as he tries, he recognizes that he is falling miserably short because there's no way for him to describe what he saw. Have you ever seen something before and you were trying to describe it to somebody and you just couldn't? Like, what do you say to somebody when you go to the Grand Canyon? They say, describe it. And you're like, big. You know, you don't even know what to say, right? Like, how do you describe something like that? So he sees heaven and he's like, oh man, it's this, it's this. It's just like, it's pearls. It's like streets are like gold. But like when you walk, you can like see through it. It's like crazy beautiful. But it's not just the beauty. It's also the ingenuity of heaven. Listen to what he writes in chapter 22 of Revelation, verses one through five. He says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the greatest street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and, it's, and his servants will serve him. Verse 4, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not need, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever ever. He's trying to say it's not simply pretty, it's sophisticated, it's an infrastructure that is beyond anything that we could imagine. You're talking about new sights, new scenes that if you just squinted your eyes and tried to imagine, you still couldn't close. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. It's prettier than that. It's beyond that. Sight, scenes, sounds, music, harmonies. I mean, things that you cannot even right now wrap your mind around. He said it is beyond colors that we can imagine. Any type of plants or vegetation or trees or rivers or lakes or oceans. It is beyond So maybe the best way to sum it up is to read what Paul said in Corinthians when he's not only talking about heaven, but all that God has in store for those who follow him. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. It's a literal place. It's a city. And then here's a second thing here that John shows us about what it's like. He says this is a, or the point, if you're taking notes, you would write down, it's the presence of ultimate good and the absence of anything bad. What's heaven like? It's the presence of everything good, the ultimate good, and it's the absence of anything bad. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order. Somebody say old order. The old order of things has passed away. You know what he's saying? Listen, friends, when we get to heaven, it's going to be the absence of anything bad, negative, evil. It's going to be the presence of everything good. When we get to heaven, there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more cancer, no more diabetes, no more back pain, no more migraines, no more arthritis, no more coronavirus. Come on, who's excited about heaven? We will live in glorified bodies, no longer wrecked by sin or sickness. I can't wait to get there and run and jump and do backflips. Listen, you just, just tell somebody close by or write it in the chat right there. Your six-pack is coming back. Go ahead and just tell them that right now. Your six-pack is coming back. There's go yes, we're going to eat in heaven. Yes, it's going to be delicious food. Everything's going to taste like Krispy Kreme, but it's going to have the calories of a carrot. It's going to be awesome to be in heaven. Every time something good happens to you on this earth, it doesn't matter how good it looks, how good it smells, how good it tastes, or how much you enjoy it. Every time you experience that, remind yourself, heaven is even better than this. Imagine that! Nothing impure, no one bad or evil, and everything all good. It's a place that's going to be all good. It's going to be a place to where there's no more fear. There's going to be no more dark nights, no more abuse, no more depression, no more anxiety. It's full of light and there is no darkness. Let me give you another thing on what is heaven like. Here's a third one. It's an eternal place. It's an eternal place. This earth where you and I are living is temporary. How many of you understand we are not physical bodies that happen to have a spirit? We are spiritual beings that are currently housed in a physical body. We are eternal beings. We will go on and live forever somewhere. We'll either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell, but we are spirit beings and there is an eternity that we need to think through and give, give some, some thought to. What does that mean for me and for my soul? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light, catch that, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Somebody say eternal glory. Our eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, what does it say? It's eternal. 
Look, we're living right here in the right now, but don't get caught up in the right here and right now. I'm looking for a city. I'm heading towards a place. My heart is set on heaven where I will be with my God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That shapes the way I see right here and right now. Listen, if you're bound for a heaven one day, it's going to affect the way you view and live today every day. It changes your perspective. It changes your priorities. I don't know about you, but for me, heaven is not only a destination, but it's my inspiration. It's what drives me. It's what moves me. It's what gives me hope and the ability to continue on. And it's not merely hope for tomorrow. It brings hope to me today. Unfortunately, temporary trials and difficulties come in this world. But those temporary trials are supposed to remind us of our eternal home. What is seen is temporary. The pain is temporary. The grief is temporary. Your struggles are temporary. Part of our problem as Christians at times is that we act like our earthly problems are eternal problems. No, they're not. Sometimes we act like our eternal home is forever away and unreachable, unattainable. No, it's not. We go through something and we just feel like this is the way it's always going to be. And that heaven thing, it seems like it's never going to come. That's backwards. We're supposed to have, as those who are headed towards heaven, this understanding that whatever I'm going through right here and right now, it's only for a season. The clock is ticking, but when I get to heaven, that is eternity, that is forever, that is unending, and that's what I'm setting my hope on. Sometimes uh, we, we kind of, in the lives that we live, we can kind of, you know, we're so bound by time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, right? And so we can get to where we, we, we measure it and that starts shaping the way we feel. You ever been in the middle of something hard or difficult? You're just like, get me out of this 24-hour bug that lasts like six months. You ever, you know, you just feel like that. You're like, man, get me out of this. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been on a vacation before? It's supposed to be a vacation, but you were so worn out with that vacation or you were so miserable on that vacation, you're like, Lord Jesus, send me back to work so I can get some rest. Anybody ever had a vacation like that before? Maybe you've had the opposite of that to where you've been on one that this one was special. Maybe it was with special people at a special place and you were so excited. You were enjoying it so much to where you almost couldn't enjoy the moment because you didn't want it to end. Have you ever had that happen before? You're going on a five-day vacation, and on day two, you're having so much fun, but all you can think about is, man, only a few more days, and this thing is over. It's because you just know, this is great, but I don't want it to end. I don't want it to end. That's because that's how we think in terms of this earth. Something bad, oh, it's going to take forever. This is really good. Oh, I hate 14. Sometimes I get a plate of food that's so good, I can't enjoy it because I just know I'm going to be full in a minute, but I don't want to be. You ever done that before, eating something? This is so good. I wish I could eat it all day long. Some people are into roller coasters. I'm not into roller coasters. I pray for those of you that are into roller coasters because I, I wonder about you. I don't understand you. It just doesn't make sense how you would stand in line for like usually two or three years, you know, your life. You're just standing there, right? And you're just doing like this. You're just doing like this for a long time. And then, and then they send you down this way, you know, down the ropes. you just doing like that. You do that two, three hours. Something. Then you, okay, all right. Then, then you do that and you get around. And then you get around the corner and it's that times 10, you know, another one. So you spend half of your life right there. And then you get on for a 60-second ride. 
60 seconds. Ah, you start screaming for the Lord. I just wish the Lord would just speak to you and say, no, you wanted it. You wanted it. You stood in line for it. You wanted it. Ah, I think one time I was on a roller coaster. One time, I think when I was a kid, I was so scared. I was like, Lord, if you get me off this thing, I will commit the rest of my life to walking in wisdom, and I will not ever do this again. But it's just so funny because we see life, the roller coaster, the ride of life. It's so, it's so fun, but it's so short. It's over. But see, when you start thinking about heaven, one of the things that makes heaven heaven is that the fun never ends. It's hard for us to imagine, but it's just this thought of this eternal place of blessing. It's this place where we are there forever and ever and ever, and it never ends. I got to go quickly because I got to get through this information, so listen quickly with me, all right? We'll hit a few more of these. What else is heaven like? Angels are there. Angels are there. Mark chapter 13, verse 32 says, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels. Where does it say they are? The angels in heaven. There are angels in heaven lots of them and we're not going to study angels today but they are powerful angelic beings second uh, second kings chapter 19 says that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians these dudes are bad right there will be angels in heaven what else do we know about heaven our treasures are there our treasures are in heaven Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what, whenever I find myself growing cold in my anticipation of heaven, it's usually because I'm so caught up and trying to bring heaven to earth and make my life so comfortable, so blessed, so convenient, so fun, so easy, so whatever, to where I realize, man, I'm pouring all of my energy and my focus to try and do something that will never be done, and that is turn earth into heaven. But when I'm living with my eyes set on eternity, I remember that this earth is temporary. So what am I doing today in this temporary, this limited amount of time? What am I doing to prepare for the eternity? It never stops and it never ends. What am I doing right here and right now to affect forever? And when I start thinking about that, this verse gets me excited because every dollar I've ever given to God's work, it's going to be waiting for me in heaven with some interest because he's going to reward. There is an ROI on whatever we do in God's name and for God's glory. So the wise investor understands that when I'm giving towards God's work, I am laying up treasures in heaven and there is no investment like that on earth. Listen, when we invest on earth, we're just hoping and praying that there's going to be a little bit left by the time I retire. But when I'm laying up treasures in heaven, I know that it's good. I know that it's protected. I know that it's blessed and I know that I will be rewarded. What about this next part? What's heaven like? Not only that our treasures are there, but that God lives there. Man, I had to say that one, but I know church. You're like, come on, Scotty. That was a no brainer. That one. Yes, God's in heaven, but I had to say it because you can't talk about heaven without acknowledging the greatest description of them all. Heaven is God's house. Oh, I know heaven can't contain him. 
But when I read my Bible, I see it described as his dwelling place, the place where he abides, the place where he lives. Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne. Where does it say? In heaven. And, in, and his kingdom rules over all. Listen to what Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says. In the same way, let your shine, light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. Where does it say? In heaven. What's amazing to me is not just the thought that God lives in heaven, but it's the fact that he's invited you and me to come and live with him. I'm going to answer this third and this final point and then we'll move towards a close, but what if we answered this one? What will we do in heaven? I mean, at some point, life on this earth comes to an end, and then there we are in heaven, but what are we going to do? Because eternity sure sounds like a really long time. Let me quickly tell you some things that we're going to do. One is that we're going to be rewarded for our service. I somewhat referenced it just a moment ago, but beyond giving, can I just tell you, friends, that sometimes on this earth we can do things and wonder if anybody even notices. I know that when I'm doing something, I want my wife to see me. Like if I'm, if I'm taking the garbage out, sometimes I'll stall just a little bit. I'll, I'll make a little noise just for her to look over. No, okay, I just want to make sure you notice this. I just want some credit. Anybody with me? I just want somebody to notice. Can I just tell you, whatever you're doing in the name of the Lord, I don't, it doesn't matter how small the kind act is. It doesn't matter how nobody else. Can I tell you, God sees all and he will reward you. One of the things you'll do in heaven is enjoy the reward of a life of serving God. Pastor talked about that last week, so you ought to listen to that message and just hear what it had to say in 1 Corinthians 3, but let's keep moving on this one. What else will we do in heaven? Second, we'll be reunited with our loved ones. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, and 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Look at what this says. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's like, will we know our loved ones in heaven? Yes, absolutely. Listen, we're going to know more in heaven, not less. We're not getting promoted and upgraded only to get up there and be clueless. Yes, there will be fellowship. Yes, there will be relationship. Yes, there will be recognition. And so when we lose someone here on this earth, we grieve, we mourn. But there's a distinction for those who are followers of Christ. Scripture says we don't grieve or mourn as those who have no hope because we're not saying goodbye. We're saying see you soon. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to be reunited with friends and family. Some of you have had a mom, you've had a dad, you've had a son or a daughter or a grandparent who's gone on to be with the Lord. And listen, when we get to heaven, we will all be reunited. But it's not just for a, a hello for just a moment. It is a reuniting for once and for all. In heaven, there are only highs, no more goodbyes. I can't wait to get to heaven and be reunited. Well, those that I love, what will we do in heaven? We will meet our Savior. 
We will meet our Savior. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have, not, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Listen to this. To be with me so that you also may be where I am. He says, I'm going to prepare a place. It took him six days to create this beautiful world. Now, he's been gone for quite a while. I can't wait to see what he has in store for us. He says, and when it's over, I want you to come in. I'd love to sit down with Abraham. I got a few questions about some things I want to talk to Moses. I'd love to hear some stories from Daniel. I'd love to ask David what he was really thinking when he ran towards Goliath. But friend, I can't wait to sit down with the one who died for me, the one who saved me from my sin, the one who gave me life in place of death. I want to see Jesus. What will, what will that cause us to do? What will we do in heaven? Forever and ever and ever, we will worship our amazing God. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 and 7. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. What a description. What a powerful picture. All of God's children, those who've been changed, those who've been saved. Come on, aren't you thankful he never gave up on you? Aren't you thankful that he's a friend who sticks closer than any brother? Aren't you thankful that you don't have to walk alone? Aren't you thankful? that God is more powerful than anything that you'll ever face? Aren't you thankful that he's more personal than anyone? He's close to you. He cares about you, and he's prepared a place for us. It's called heaven, and I can't wait to be there just to throw up my hands and to lift my voice and say, oh, God, how great you really, you really are says it's going to be the sound of a great multitude coming together. Are you looking forward to that day? Are you ready to worship him? Well, I, I, I know that it's going to be a moment like none other. Maybe you've had a worship time, a worship moment where you just sense the presence of God. You thought, I never want to leave this. So heaven's going to be forever. I don't think we can recreate it here in this moment. But I want to give you just, just a minute to reflect on the goodness of God, whether you're watching online or one of our locations or even here, stay with us for just a few moments. I believe that this, this moment of worship and reflection right here is going to be meaningful as heaven enters your heart like never before. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now? Come on, just bow your heads and close your eyes. There in your living room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Shannon and the worship team are going to begin to lead us in this song. Let it inspire your heart towards worship of our great God. Let's sing. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the words thy hands have made, I see the stars. 